0: All right, good evening everyone, this is James Burke, pastor of The Best Church in America, Lighthouse Baptist Church. I want to welcome you to our broadcast tonight, and I uh, tried to start it a little while ago and forgot to change the title, so I apologize about that. We're going to be speaking tonight on the cost of compromise, and uh, we'll be in the book of Hebrews uh, to start off, and then we'll go to Acts, and then in 1st. Kings, and so if you got your Bible, be sure to take care and um, and turn to those pages. Now, I want to ask you, if you will, to share the feed if you can, and also I ask you to um, kind of sit tight. We're going to let uh, Kaylee and Rachel and Nathan sing us a song, and then from there we're going to go right into um brother jody hodnett and uh let him give us a quick update some exciting news i've been holding off on uh waiting for some provisional things from his government but uh, looks like we got it so um, i am going to play the song and let let the kids sing and then we'll get right into brother jody
1: Baptist Church. This is your missionary to Dumfries, Scotland, Brother Jody Hodnett. As you see behind me, there's paint on the wall that doesn't match, and there's torn wallpaper, and what in the world's going on? Well, we've got exciting news. God has richly blessed Bible Truth Baptist Church in Dumfries, Scotland, and given us a place to meet just off of the high street. For those of you that don't understand what the high street is, that's like a main street through town. Be like being in your town square. Come around and show you what's going on here in the new property and show you the, the location that we're in. But I just want to start out by saying thank you so much for your investments in the ministry here for the cause of Christ. Amen. God bless you. It's called Mid-Steeple. This is the middle of town. Just across the way there, you see the spire of uh, what they call Greyfriars Church for you history buff. Uh, just across from that church is where Robert the Bruce uh, murdered uh, the Red Common, his cousin, and established himself as King of Scotland many years ago. So this is the center of town. And so as you come around here, this again center center of town, There is the Vodafone. Vodafone would be equivalent to a Verizon store. And uh, so there's that. This is the main street. And uh, just down next door to Vodafone, the signage here says, Best Dressed Kids. This is the future home of Bible Truth Baptist Church. So this is what's going on today uh my daughter autumn is there working jay's working diligently over there uh savannah is in the window uh brother david sellers is behind the pole you can't see him because he's so tiny this is the future home of bible truth baptist church in dumfries scotland you see all the uh the uh wallpaper that's been torn off and there's a lot of work to do and uh we, uh, we are excited. We are so excited. This is your mission dollars at work. You're getting to see firsthand your investment, uh, in the gospel going forth in Dumfries. We couldn't be here without you. So once again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your investment in our family as we get the gospel out in Dumfries, Scotland. Come see us. God bless you.
0: I've been been wanting to play that. I've had that since the beginning of uh, really since the beginning of September. And I asked all of our, our missionaries to send us something so I could um do that at the beginning of, of September in church, but of course we've uh not been able uh to be in church and so uh we've we've attempted to do it as often as we can on uh on online church, but uh, Brother Jody and I talk nearly every single day and uh, to see his excitement and uh, he didn't even tell you, um, I, I, I'll go ahead and ask you if you will, um, go to our website and uh, click on About Us and then Missions and you'll see Brother Jody's name and click on his name and that'll take you to the newsletter that we just got today and he will update you on uh the different things that have happened uh he went to find a pulpit and he went to an antique shop and in the antique shop um, the owners begin to ask about christening um, their their child or their children and he began to to witness to her, and I believe it was last Friday or maybe the Friday before, um, he was able to to properly meet together, his family and hers, and be able to share the gospel. Um, he's had at least two men come and say, I've been saved, I know that I'm saved, but I'm without a pastor, and I need a pastor, and these men have, have joined in a discipleship program. I'm telling you, God is blessing, and I'm so excited. I told you about a month ago that Brother Jody asked me to come uh, over next August um, to preach a meeting for him uh, in Scotland. And so I do ask you, please pray about that. Um, My family will be going as it stands right now, and uh, they are excited about that. But, of course, I'm excited about being able to share the gospel uh, in a foreign country, number one, but for one of our missionaries My mind is absolutely blown about this opportunity. And I'm looking forward to how God's going to put it all together between now and then. So I ask you to pray. Uh, I mentioned our website. I'm trying to work on it a little bit out of time. Of course, we have um, a legacy page on there, Brother John Dent. And uh, I encourage you to go listen to the last message that we were able to record. Uh, Also, um, I think the, um, the tribute video is on that page as well feel free to share that as much as you want. Uh, There is a salvation page. Uh, On the home page, there's a little button that says, what about you? And uh, if you click on that, it goes to a salvation page uh, to give a little bit of information. And of course, I'll update that as we go. Uh, Some news events, things of that sort that uh, may come up. And of course, we're still working on it. Uh, But then today, I have been working on that missions page. And uh, I I've got a new um, uh, prayer letter from Brother Aaron Wilson, and I will put that uh, in on the website very soon. Uh, but I ask you, please, if you will, keep a check on it, and, of course, you can watch our live stream as well. But I want you to turn in your Bibles, turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Hebrews, chapter number 10. And we're going to read a few verses here, and uh, once we get done with this, we'll actually go a couple places, say a few things. Try to get as far as we can. We only have two points, but you know how that goes. Um, so uh, again, I ask you, if you will, just share the feed and uh, try your best to uh, to help us out. Feel free to comment, say praise the Lord, help Him, Lord Jesus, something. Uh, maybe if you've got a prayer request, feel free to share it on uh, that as well, Okay. So Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Now, uh, you cannot read this verse without getting excited about the fact that he is faithful that promised. Uh, This is not talking about the writer of Hebrews. I believe it was Paul. It's not talking about him. It's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Verse 26, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Now, if you will, I want you to turn over to the book of James. The book of James, chapter number 4. We're going to read one verse here and make mention of another verse. Verse number 17, James chapter 4. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, before I make mention of another verse, I want to go back to our original text, verse Look with me at verse number 23 and verse number 26. Let us hold, prof- hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Now look down to verse number 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Now, we can continue on and get a little bit more about that. But the, the thought that I need to bring out here is that there is there's some things. Uh, my little girl asked me this question the other day about sinning after one was saved. And by all means, you need to know today that if you are saved, the chances of you sinning is nigh 100% every single day. Uh, I used to go to church with a man that said he didn't sin every day. Well, the Bible says if you say you have no sin, then you are a liar. And so we need to be very careful about uh, how how perfect we assume that we are. But this, this verse says that if we sin willfully after that we receive the knowledge of the truth. This again is a, a proof, a scriptural proof that we may sin after we are saved. Now. Look over at verse number 17 of chapter number 4 of James. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, I, I want to say this. When I think of James, James chapter number 4, verse number 17, I have to think about First Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 13. It is this wherefore if meat make my brother to offend, I will in I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. You say, wait a minute, what are you even talking about? Why are we talking about um Uh, Why are we talking about meat? Why are we talking about this anyway? Well, it's not necessarily the meat that I'm concerned about. It's the idea of sin that I'm concerned about. Uh, If if the Lord doesn't change my my thought process and my heart on this, we will probably continue a thought about sin on Sunday. And so I ask you, please do be praying for me there. But now I, I have to say this. There are there are some people in uh, even probably even in our conversa- congregation, uh, but that will no doubt listen to this. That says, well, the Bible is very clear about certain sins, and it is. But the Bible is not very clear about other things that the church calls sin, and I, I can understand that to a certain degree. But James chapter number 4 verse 17 and 1 Corinthians chapter number 8 verse 13 are the two verses that I look at when I try to define what is or what is not sin. Now according to James chapter number 4 verse number 17 this is not part of the message. This is a freebie so you're welcome. Uh, but according to James four seventeen, if you know to do right and you do not do it he says that is a sin. Let's look at the verse again. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, he says, If meat makes my brother uh, to be offended, then I while the world standeth, I will not eat meat. Now, I'm going to have a hard time with that because I love me some meat. Come on and praise the Lord with me. But these are two verses that I look at about what is sin. Does the Bible does the Bible say that certain things are sin? Yes and no. But if let's just take alcohol. Alcohol is going to be the very thing that divides people from day one. There's some people that are saying, well, I believe that, you know, a little uh, a little bit of alcohol, a little bit of wine does the belly good. There's going to be some, well, I just use it as a hot toddy. Well, there's going to be some that says, well, I just use it uh, as a social drink, and some are dead set against it. Well, I'm dead set against it. I don't give a rip if it's if it's for social. I don't care if it's for your belly. I don't care what it is, and you may disagree, and that's fine. I'm not going to split hairs with you, but what I'm going to tell you is the Bible says there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 8 that if it offends a brother, you ought not do it. I've told this illustration before, I've given this illustration before, uh, but I can remember my wife and I at a table with some people that, that are Christians, and I know that they are Christians, but their uh, viewpoint on alcohol and mine at that point were different. And as we sat down hoping to fellowship, our souls were vexed when they brought out the wine glasses and filled them up with red and white wine. And my heart was was struck with offense. But guess what? They continued and they, they rejoiced in the fact that they were able to drink a little bit of wine. But the scripture says that if it offends a brother, you ought not do it. There's a lot of people they're trying, they're searching through the Bible and they're trying their best to try to find the definition of sin. If it offends someone, according to Scripture, I believe it's a sin. If it is wrong in society, now listen, just just follow me now. If it's wrong in society, then it it can be considered a sin. The problem with that thought is society continues to evolve in their definitions of right and wrong. The things that we hold. Old, to be true and and right, they are saying that it's wrong. The things that we say are wrong. They are saying it's an alternate lifestyle. And so, by definition, we can look at some of these scriptures and we can see that as far as the world goes, that there's some a little bit of of leniency. But according to the scripture, listen to him that knoweth to do good. This knowledge that it talks about, but David mentioned it. It's that word gnosko or I do. And it is not something that comes from man or society. It is something that comes from God. If the Holy Spirit of God says do it, bless God, y'all to do it. If He says ought not do it, then you ought to be against it. Amen. Hey, I said you ought to be against it. Against it is what I'm trying to say. And the, this idea of it's sin for one person and not for another—it's—it's it's, hey, that's that's a of cow manure is what that is. This this idea of it's sin for you and not sin for me, or it's okay for you to do this, but not. Hey, I'm telling you, God is steadfast in His dealings. If the Holy Spirit tells one person that it is wrong, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to tell the other person that it is wrong as well. Now I told you all that's free. You can have that. You don't even have to say Amen for it. But I want to deal with this thought this evening about the cost of compromise. Already been too long. Realize we've had some kind of a, a pre-message uh, thing with Brother Jody and the song, and I, I make no apologies for that. But I need you, if you will, to listen to this. You've got on your screen the cost of compromise. And this cost of compromise is something that is evident it is something that must be uh, uh, brought to light uh, years ago. I'm talking about years ago. I preached a message at youth meetings and different things about this cost of compromise. And in that, I said, we mentioned Adam, we mentioned Eve, and I said that this compromise was a curse. God had given them a command. He had given them a warning not to touch that tree of knowledge of good and evil, but they did, and they were cursed. Then we mentioned Samson. He was a Nazarite by birth, and he was not to cut his hair, but because of a woman, and he fell in love with her and laid his head down in Delilah's lap. Uh, she took and, and, and I sound like Brother James Lockard. Uh, she cut his hair, and his strength was gone. The Bible says that he wist not that his strength had left him and he shook himself but there was no more power listen I wonder if it might be today that the, mm, I wonder if it might be today that the reason that there's no power is because of compromise then we talked about David. David was warned. David was a man after God's own heart, and and his servant he was up on the up on his rooftop, and and he looked down and he saw Bathsheba uh, bathing, and he says, "Who is this woman?" And and his servant said, "Now this is the wife of Uriah. Uh, you don't need to be messing with her. This is somebody else's wife. This is somebody's daughter. This is you know what? listen. You she's married. She's taken. Uh, but instead, he took uh, Uriah off." The front lines, and or, or he laid with her, and he took your eye out of the out of the 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 fight, and and tried to get him, tried to cover up his own sin, and and ended up realizing that he couldn't, and so he ended up putting your eye on the front lines, and and he was killed. And but the thing is, is that cost of compromise was death. It was casualty. That little baby that came from Bathsheba's womb died. There is a cost of compromise. But today I want to extend that thought just a little bit and and say this. I want us to turn to the book of Acts, chapter number four. We'll try to go as quickly as I can. Just in case you don't know what this uh, this definition of compromise is, it is an agreement or a settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making concessions, or each side giving a little bit at a time. Or it is to accept standards that are lower than is desirable. And that's the definition that we need to deal with. The cost the cost of compromise, or if I can say it like this, the cost of accepting lower standards. Now, as we get into the message tonight, we'll deal with with... Ananias and Sapphira, and then we'll deal with Solomon. Those are the only two, only three subjects, I guess you might say, uh, that we're going to deal with tonight. But number one, I want you to see Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter number four, verse number 32 down through verse number 35. I guess I need to turn there myself, don't I? Acts chapter number 4, verse number 32. It says, uh, And the multitude of them, now this is after the, the Spirit of God began to feel the, the believers there in chapter number 4, started in chapter number 2. But he says, The multitude of them that were uh, that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said uh, any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they all had things common. In other words, if if uh, one had a Vehicle and one didn't. I understand they didn't, but if one had a vehicle and the other didn't, they said, Hey, you can have it, you can borrow, here's my keys, I'll make you a copy. If one had a home and the other was homeless, if they were a believer, they said, You can live in my home. You can have what is mine is yours. If they had food on their table, what is mine is yours. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You ought to preach right there, come on, preacher. Uh, neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold." and lay them down at the apostles' feet, and the distribution was made every man according to his need. In other words, they sold it. If, they had, if, some, if, if person A had plenty, uh, he would bring that or sell it and bring it to the disciples. The disciples would look at person B or C and say, You need uh, this amount, I'm going to give you this amount, and go on your way. Uh, person C, I'm going to give you this amount, and you uh, be filled. You find food, and you take care of yourself. It says, uh, let, let's just skip down, verse number 37, having land, they sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, so here is a warning that we find. We don't see Ananias and Sapphira here just yet, but there is a warning of the Holy Spirit and what has been working in the hearts of other believers. They were buying, or excuse me, they were selling and they were giving that to their brethren. They were per. Referring a brother above themselves. Look at verse number thirty two. It says, Neither said any of them uh, that uh that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. Again, in other words, if he owned it, he made it freely available to anyone else. And so there is, if you will, a warning here of how this Pentecost Sunday were to work. You see, I'm going to leave that alone. There's a, I got to leave that alone. I get carried away. The Spirit of God moved upon these men and upon these women, and everything that they had, they wanted to make sure that someone else had a part in it. They wanted to make sure that none of their brethren, none of their sisters, were going without. So they sold everything. And the Holy Spirit taught them and urged them to do that. So there's a warning here in verse number 32 down through verse number 37. However, however, we're going on. We saw first the warning. Second, we see the compromise. Look with me in chapter number 5, verse number 1. It says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price his wife also being privy or privileged to the information, to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, it doesn't sound a whole lot like anything's wrong there. Now, I need to tell you this, and you probably already know it, but this word but, anytime you see the word but, especially at the beginning of a verse or the beginning of a chapter, you need to pay close attention. We say all the time, something's going wrong in our lives, and then it turns around, we say, but God, okay? So this word, but, is in in this use, it is a conjunction used to introduce a phrase or a clause contrasting with what has already been mentioned. So what has been mentioned? They had possessions, they sold it, and they gave it to the needy, but... Here's something that is opposite of what was just said. But a certain man and woman named Ananias and Sapphira sold a possession. And they kept back part of the price. It is that that we find the compromise. They kept it back. Now, if you were to continue on, it says, uh, Peter said, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie? To the Holy Ghost. He didn't say to me, but to the Holy Ghost. And to keep back part of the price of the land. So, let's, let's continue. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, that thou hast lied unto men, but unto God? Now, does God want us to sell everything that we have and give him everything? Does God want us to go out and work 40, 60, 80 hours a week and give him our entire paycheck? No, I don't believe God does. I believe God requires a tenth. I believe you need to give more than a tenth. There is that tithe, what already belongs, but then we need to give more, whether it be in missions or in love offerings or to help someone go buy groceries or whatever. I believe we need to do more than just that tenth. Now, here, here it is. Here, here it is. This is the compromise that we see in verse 1, verse number 2. They kept it back. They kept back a part, but it says they, kept, they brought a certain part. So let's just say it was half they sold it for $10,000 they kept 5,000 and they took 5,000 laid it at the apostles feet the problem was not the 5,000 that they kept the problem was not the 5,000 that they took to the church the problem was is the lie that they told we sold this piece of property here it is for $5,000 We sold this piece of property. Here is the benefit of it. We want to be like the people in verse 32 and 33 down through verse 37. We want to be like them. We went and sold a piece of property too. Here is what we sold it for. And the Holy Spirit told the man of God, something's not right about this. Something's not right about this. What happened? We see the compromise. Now, they were different. According to, to our English language, they were different from verse number one of chapter five from verse number thirty-seven of chapter number four. Now, something different, but there was a certain man named Ananias. They had a warning in the previous verses. They compromised though in verse number one and in verse or verse number two rather. But now I want you to see this cost. This cost is what is so. So heartbreaking about this compromise. We're dealing with the cost of compromise. It says in Ananias, hearing these words, let's go back. What, what was it that, that he heard? Why did you conceive this thing in your heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but you've lied to God. After he heard these words, he fell down and gave up the ghost. He died. And great fear came upon them that heard these things. The young men arose and and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. They didn't waste any time. They buried him. And it was about the space of three hours when his wife, not knowing what was done, she came in. Peter said, tell me whether you sold the land for so much, for $5,000. She said, "Yea, for so much. Yeah, we sold it for $5,000. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of, of the Lord... Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. The young men came in, found her dead, carried her forth, and buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon the church, and upon many as heard these things. The cost of compromise, I told you as we mentioned in the introduction, the compromise or the cost of compromise for Adam was a curse. The cost of compromise for Samson uh, was capture. The cost of compromise for David was casualty. Uh, But here we see the cost of compromise for Ananias and Sapphira is that they were carried away in death because they lied to God. Because they, they oh yeah there's nothing wrong with holding back a certain part, but you better be very honest with God. They compromise they, the Bible says there in verse number three he says, "Thine heart what, why, why'd you let Satan fill your heart to the light of the Holy Ghost?" In verse number four it says, "Thou' hast not lied to men but you've lied to God." They were carried away in death. Number two, let's look at Solomon quickly. It took longer than I thought it would. I'm sorry. No, I'm not really. 1 Kings chapter number 3. 1 Kings chapter number 3. I want you to see Solomon here. Solomon, one of the wisest men in the world. This is where it comes into play. Right here, he says in verse number... um, I'm not going to read all the way back to verse number 1. But David, uh, excuse me, uh, Solomon said... uh, Verse number 5, it says the Lord appeared to Solomon and, and said, Ask what I shall give thee. Solomon said, Thou showed uh, unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked with you. And uh, verse number 7, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I'll know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of the people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted from multitude. Give therefore, here it is, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this so great a people, thy so great a people. And the speech pleased the Lord. And God said in verse number 11, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked the thing for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked life of thine enemies, but asked for thyself understanding, discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. I have given thee wise and understanding heart. He also says in verse 13, I have given thee what thou hast not asked. Riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Talking about the cost of compromise here. What has happened in these verses that I've just read is that there was a warning. You say, Well, I didn't read a warning, I read a blessing. He asked God to give him wisdom so that he can judge. And God honored that and gave him wisdom. Gave him these, uh, uh, these uh, uh, not only wisdom, but riches and honor. God gave. And in that giving, he made a promise to God that he would be truthful. That he would be his all of his days. He says, I, I, I'm but a lad. I, but I'm, I'm a child. I can't even go in and out on my own. God, I, I need something. I need wisdom, and God granted him that. But I want you to see now the compromise. In verse chapter number 11, we'll kind of skip through verses 1 through 8. But King Solomon loved strange women. You need to do a word study on this, this word strange. I encourage you to do it i i i may I may preach a message on this one day, but there's strange women, there's a strange fire, and there's a lot of churches that have embraced a strange fire into their bosom. I can't go there Solomon loved strange women, and the Lord said unto the children of israel now this is this is going backwards. The Lord said unto the children, he gave them instruction years and decades and centuries ago. Ye shall not go into them. Who? These children of Pharaoh and Moab and Ammon and Edom and Zidon and the Hittites. He said, don't go into them. Why? He says, neither shall they come in unto you, for they will surely turn your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. Hmm. And he had 700 wives and princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as as was the heart of David his father. We're still reading now. Verse number 5. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Hittites. Listen to this. I even have the word wow right beside this next verse. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not, here's why I wrote wow, he went not, here it is, fully After the Lord, as did David his father. I wonder how many of us that are watching or listening right now that are going after the Lord fully, fully, with everything that we have. Not everything that we have left, but everything that we have. It says, Then did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, In the hill that is before Jerusalem. And for, so in other words, this means that he also built a high place for Molech. Verse number 8. And likewise did he for all his strange wives. What we find here is the compromise. In chapter number 3, God gave him wisdom and God gave him honor and God gave him riches because he had made a promise throughout the scripture that he was going to live for God. Now he's an old man. He's already joined himself to all of these, these strange women, if you will. He's got 700 wives. Isn't that what the scripture says? 300 300 concubines, 700 wives and princesses. I think it's summed up in verse number 6. And David did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. There was a compromise here. But we have to ask ourselves the question, what is the cost of compromise? What is the cost of compromise? Let's let's look quickly at this definition again. It is to accept standards that are lower than is desirable. Now, I told you we're going to focus on that, but but my mind, real quick, is going back to that previous definition that we mentioned. An agreement or settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making concessions. What are you giving up so that you can have that pleasure in your heart? What are, you giving, what are you conceding to your flesh or to the devil so that you can have that pleasure or so that you can have that job or so that you can have that relationship or so that you can have that house or so you can go to your favorite school or so you can do your favorite thing? I said, what are you giving up? There is a cost of compromise. We see the curse. The Bible says in verse number 9, and The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord. Verse number 10, And commanded him concerning the things that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. The Lord said, verse 11, The Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statues which I have commanded thee. Here it is. I will surely rend the kingdom from thee. I will rip the kingdom from you and will give it to thy servant notwithstanding. notwithstanding, He showed him grace. Even still he showed him mercy. He says, Notwithstanding in thy days I will not do it for thy, for David thy father's sake. But I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Verse number 11. And the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was one of the king's seed in Edom. What does this last phrase mean? He was one of the king's seed. Wasn't, wasn't Solomon the seed? Uh, the king? Yes, he was. But this king that he's talking about is King David. David not only not only not only did David sin with Bathsheba but there were a few others And God raised up that seed which was half brother to David or to Solomon to rip apart the kingdom what's the compromise the compromise here again is a curse in that he lost The kingdom. He lost control. He lost the blessing of God. God very clearly has given us some instruction. And God very clearly can hear us when we make vows and promises. And God very clearly can hear us when we begin to concede on our side so that we can compromise with our flesh or with the devil. There is a cost of compromise. The introduction I mentioned that your compromises, or well, I should have, our, our compromises will affect others. Ananias's compromise affected his wife. The Bible says that she was privy to it. Solomon's compromise affected all of his wives, all of his concubines. All of those princesses. He could have very easily taken one, one of those women. And as soon as he found out that they were not of God's people, number one, he should have cut them off. Number two, if he did fall into that temptation and found that they uh, sought after strange gods, he should have, I hate to use this, but he should have nipped it in the bud and say, absolutely not. But did he? No. No. He kept on taking in strange women. He kept in taking and condoning strange gods. And I believe every single one of those, because of Solomon's compromise, they were doomed to hell. I'm going to tell you this. I don't know if I've said this, but I feel like I need to say it. There are some folks folks that are so flippant, flippant about their church attendance, they're so flippant about their their faithfulness to church that they don't understand that they are compromising on some of the most basic premises of Christianity, and that is to join together when we join together. There are some folks that haven't been to church in months. But guess what? That one person that's making the decision... Yes, there's going to be a cost for them. But unfortunately, there are wives, there are husbands, there are children involved that you are condemning in the same fix that you are. I'm telling you, there are children that will grow up and that they will not be faithful to church if they go to church at all. They will not know right or wrong because they do not hear it at home and they are not in church long enough to hear it. And when they are at church, church, you are so uh, uh, distracted by letting them play or letting them play on their phone or letting them sleep or whatever. I know this is Wednesday night. I know this is online, but somebody's got to say it. Listen, we need to quit compromising. I'm talking about the churches are compromising. The preachers, the pew sitters are compromising. But there's more at stake than just ourselves. There are other boys and girls and husbands and wives that they may not want to compromise themselves, but because someone is making the decision for them, they're going to be doomed and damned, unfortunately, quite possibly to hell. Your compromise will affect your spouse, your children, your, your siblings, your church family the people that you used to sing with and you're you're not there to hold your part the people that you used to play with and you're not there to to play that instrument to do what what your your part is there's an empty chair there there's an empty pew there those that you used to invite to church you better mark it down they're watching they're watching you Listen, in my neighborhood, there's not a whole lot of people here, but you better know, you better know that they have noticed, they have noticed over the last month that on Sunday mornings, regardless... Outside of this past Sunday, you better know that they have noticed that that garage door has not come open and those cars have not left this parking lot going to church every Sunday morning and going to church every Sunday night. You say, "Well, well, we're not having church. I understand that. But there's a lot of times that we are having church. This last Sunday is evident of that. We are having church. And there's some of you that could and should have been there that wasn't there. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching. Somebody's depending on you to be where you're supposed to be. Somebody's depending on you to hold fast to the things that are right and true and virtuous. Are you compromising today? Those folks that you teach in Sunday school, those folks that you sit with in Sunday school, are you compromising If so, you may affect them. Compromise is catching. We see it in our politics. We see it in our schools. We see it in our churches. Compromise is catching. It's contagious. And to God, it's sickening. I understand this probably wasn't a normal Wednesday night message, but it's what the Lord gave me, so we got to run with it. But I want you to know, as harsh as I've been tonight, I want you to know I love you. If I didn't, I'd tell you to go fly a kite somewhere. If I didn't, I'd say go out to the lake somewhere. If I didn't, I'd say go do whatever you want to do. We'll be here when you get back. But we need to be together, and we need to pay attention to our compromise. Can I say this? In Galatians, it says if you see a brother that has stumbled, that has fallen, he says we need to go and rescue them. We need to go restore such an one, because if it were not for the grace of God, we'd be there too. So it may be that you see someone that's just about to stumble, just about to compromise. Won't you try to be there for them before they get there? Maybe they've already stumbled. They've already compromised. How about instead of uh, 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 condemning them, instead of beating them up, how about let's just go to them in brotherly love and and kindness and and lift them up and try to to brush them off and say, Hey, I understand that you've fallen and I've fallen too and, and I might fall tomorrow, but I want you to know I'm here for you right now. Let's get back on the path. So I say this to you. I love you, and I mean that. But if you've fallen, and you've stumbled, and you've compromised, I want you to reach out. I want you to call me. I want you to send me a message, send me a text, and say, hey, I need to get back on the right path. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I'm still, I'm still missing. I'm still missing the mark. It's like I can't go, go forward because I keep falling back. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If we continue, and this is, this is the problem. A lot of times we do this and we blame everybody else. And we bring everybody else up all the time. Well, this person hurt me, or that person hurt me, or or this happened and this happened. And I'm so sorry that they hurt you, and I'm so sorry that that happened. But let's let's look at this thing. You are not living your life for them, and they are demand they are not demanding how you live your life. They are now out of the picture. Let's move on, and let's realize that the common denominator in all of this. It's not that one that hurt you. It's not that man that hurt you. It's not that child that hurt you. It's not those harsh words. It's you. The common denominator in all of this is you. It's time to quit blaming. It's time to own own what we do ourselves. When we do that, we will find ourselves having to make a decision do do we continue to compromise? Or do we choose to stay with the right? I love you. I hope that God has blessed you, spoke to you somehow in this message. I encourage you. Go to our website in the next few days, check it out. I'd love to hear from you. I really would. Uh, I, I've never done this, and so I'd really love to hear some maybe some suggestions if you've got one. And uh, I'm telling you, let me know. Sunday, I've got to make this quick announcement. Hopefully, nobody's left, left the bill. <laughs> Left the building. Uh, But Sunday, I'm told that it might be raining. And so between now and then, some of us are going to put our heads together. If you have a suggestion, please feel free to let me know. But some of us will put our heads together and try to figure that out. Um, uh, One thing that we mentioned, if we can keep everything um, safe from any kind of rain, we could still do it outside and just have everyone stay in their vehicles and and listen via the uh, FM transmitter. Uh, I'm not sure about that, so we'll 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 talk it through and we'll keep an eye on the weather, but we'll definitely let you know. Listen, I love you, and I hope that you'll join with us on Sunday, um, uh, Lord willing, at 11 o'clock. Now, again, depending on the rain, we may adjust that. We may move it forward a little bit. After a little bit, we'll we'll be watching. But I ask you, if you will go praying tonight. Come praying at church on Sunday at 11 o'clock at least uh, uh, for now. Uh, But you come praying on Sunday and ask the Lord to bless us. You pray for me, and I pray for you. I love you. God bless you.